Welcome to Money Talks, a series of interviews with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. In this episode, I talk to Patrick Dardis, the CEO of Young's, which operates hundreds of pubs employing thousands of people while turning over hundreds of millions of pounds. The hospitality industry has been calling on government to provide a package of financial support as Plan B and guidance on limiting social interactions in the lead-up to Christmas has led to much quieter pubs and restaurants. Consumer confidence has nosedived as the Omicron variant continues to spread, hitting the hospitality sector during the crucial weeks before Christmas, traditionally the busiest time of the year, when firms build cash surpluses to see them through quieter months. In this wide-ranging discussion, Dardis outlines his fears about the future of the UK's hospitality industry while calling for more widespread assistance from government. Patrick, tell us a little bit about what Young's does, the scale of the business that you control. Well, the business was formed in 1831, uh, so we'd be celebrating 200 years in less than 10 years' You're a startup. It's just a startup, yeah, exactly. I haven't been there since 1831, obviously. <laughs> but we operate uh, a business of 300-odd pubs and hotels, restaurants. Uh, we employ 5,000 people uh, with a turnover of about £350 million. That's a serious business, and we all know that hospitality has been hit hard during this pandemic. We don't know what the future holds, but clearly it's been a difficult time. How has Young's fared during what must have been a very difficult period? Yeah, I mean, who would ever believe that we would have a worse time since, you know, when we got through 2008, 2009, 2010 with the crash? Um, and no one, no one has ever prepared uh, for what's just happened. It, and it's nearly two years. March is a two-year anniversary since uh, businesses were closed. Uh, so no one's ever prepared for this sort of thing. And your first reaction is survival. How do we actually survive this business? What do we need to do? How do we communicate to all of our people to make sure, because they're all in a place where uncertain, they don't know whether they've got a job next week or next month. Um, and so we set about uh, putting in place sufficient finances initially to survive. So we assumed we may well be closed for a year. How much money will we need? We were burning about £6 million cash a month, despite um, some support from the government, whether it be furlough, business rates, or, or VAT reduction. With VAT reduction, if you're not taking any m money, you don't pay VAT anyway. Right. So we wouldn't have been paying any VAT. So we set about assuming worst-case scenario, hoping for some better news, and we borrowed uh, sufficient funds from the Bank of England. We took thirty million from the CCFF, uh, which we've since paid back fully. That's like uh, an advanced business support it, scheme. It, exactly, which you, it's a three sixty-four day money. Yeah. So you have to pay it back, which we did on the three hundred and sixty-fourth day. We then also borrowed some more money uh, from our, our three banks. So on that, at that time, we 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 believed we had sufficient to survive this pandemic. Uh, but that's all that we would have done. Uh, we then determined that um, after this incredible investment in this estate, we didn't want to be in a cash conservation mode for the three years post-pandemic. Uh, and then for a company as old as us to go to the market uh, to create cash by, uh, uh, by, um, by an equity uh, share. Selling some of your shares. Selling some of the shares, creating 20% uh, more shares. And we raised about 88.4 million on that. Now that 
then put us in a position where not only could we see through the pandemic, we'd be able to start investing in our estate as soon as we were allowed trade, which is exactly what happened. For a business with thousands of employees, if I may say so, hundreds of millions of pounds of turnover and a heritage going back to the mid-19th century, that sounds, Patrick, like a pretty major restructuring that you did in order to survive what we've just been through here in this country. There must have been moments when you felt you wouldn't survive. Well, I think initially you wondered what the hell was around the corner. Um, and, and, of course, the fear was that we wouldn't survive. You know, there was that risk there. Uh, and, of course, your mind immediately goes to your 5,000 colleagues who, you know, the majority of them, you know, created some of the greatest iconic pubs in the country. Um, and all of that could just disappear um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think the, the, the first thing we did is, 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 is we said, look, let's stay calm. Let's think about this um, and make sure we do all the right things by our, by our shareholders, by us, um, our, our colleagues and by our, our partners. So, for example, you know, we made a decision we would pay all of our suppliers and we chase suppliers, small suppliers, to get their invoices in because we would pay them. We, we paid our rent up front. We didn't um, decide to hold rent back. We decided we would pay, and then on the next three months, we would then negotiate on the strength of a strong um, relationship with, with, with our, some of our landlords. We're mostly freehold. Uh, and we also ensured that our tenants actually paid no rent to us on day one. And we were the first company to do that, and we continued that throughout the pandemic. So we wanted to make sure we did right by our shareholders, by our colleagues, and by all of our suppliers. So we did that, and we were, we, were we were able to do that because of the funding that we created in the first place. The share placing was all about investing in the future and making sure that we could retain our 5,000 people in the medium to long term. Like me, you're from an Irish background, Patrick, if I may say so. I certainly grew up in pubs. It was my family's culture. Did you? And if so, are you surprised you've ended up the CEO of probably the biggest pub company in the country. Well, when I was um, still back home in Kells and County Meath, this dirty old town, sorry anyone who's from Kells, but it is a dirty old town, I worked behind the bar in the pub called Monaghan's for, for serving my apprentice in my early days. Uh, and when I came over to, to London, I got a job with a company called Courage in the brewing sector. I didn't know who they were. I went to Wimbledon Job Centre. They offered me, I went to the interviews, they offered me a job, and I said, thanks very much indeed. And while to supplement my earnings, uh, I also got a job at the Hand in Hand in Wimbledon Common um, as a part-time barman, sort of three, four nights a week, weekends, uh, for youngs, believe it or not, all those years ago. Uh, and here we are now. You started now. out polishing the glasses. I did indeed. I was, you know, I was doing, I was a base potman initially, and then I was working behind the bar. And then actually after about two years of doing that, I used to take over the relief, holiday relief for the manager while he went on holiday. Yeah. So I kind of learned my trade. Um, and then I sort of went off and worked for various companies. And to end up back, I go to the hand in hand all the time. And every time I go in there, I see faces that I remember while I was there. So it's an incredible story, you know. But, that, but when I started working at the Hand in Hand, I mean, that must have been 35, 40 years ago. Uh, and to end up running this company, which I always loved and loved their beer, uh, it's kind of a dream come through from a, from a, a council, uh, an Irishman from a council house who went to a Christian Brothers school. <laughs> You're looking well for it, Patrick. <laughs>
given that background, which I, I know you have, I know this business is close to your heart, you must have had the interests of a lot of your tenant landlords on your mind as you went into this pandemic. So tell me how Young's responded to that situation, because some pub tenant landlords have had a pretty hard time, haven't they? Yeah, listen, I, I still feel really sorry and sad for a lot of individual owner-operators, by the way, who've thrown their mortgages, their marriages, their kitchen sink at these businesses. And some of these have been operating their businesses for 20, 30 years, and all of a sudden, they have got nothing left. Uh, and, I th and, and that's still more to come, unfortunately. We're not at the end. Because we're losing of this. lots of pubs, aren't we're we? And we will lose a lot more, particularly with these, this Plan B in place now. I think uh, January onwards, the first quarter, first half of next year, will be equally as bad as any stage uh, through the pandemic for a lot of those individual owner operators who are just hanging on by the fingernails. So, you know, we were very conscious about everybody, whether it was our tenants, our, our, our colleagues, or indeed our suppliers, we had to make sure we did the right thing by them. And, and we, we, we sort of rationalized, rationalized it by saying, look, this may be a year, or it may be even two years. We're bigger and better than that. We need to think about coming out of it. So we need to make sure that we're in a strong place, our goodwill, has grown rather than deteriorated. Our reputation becomes stronger than ever before. Um, so we made sure that we did all the right things because we assumed, even though we were really worried about surviving, we just had this confidence that we would come through this. Uh, and if we were going to come through it, we wanted our reputation and our goodwill to be even stronger than it was pre-pandemic. So we did all the right things by our tenants, by our suppliers, um, and by our colleagues and shareholders. Uh, so everything we did in mind was about making sure that we come out of this you know, in a strong place so we could survive for another 190 years. You are a major figure in the pub industry in this country, Patrick, if I may say so. A lot of people from your firm, from your industry, will watch this interview. So what do you say now to your pub tenant landlords as we go into another moment of uncertainty, maybe another extended period of uncertainty with Plan B, as you say, and what do you say to pub bosses across the industry? Well, I, th I think, now I might be wrong on this, but I, I do think this is going to be a short-term thing. Uh, I think there's been an overreaction again by the scientists. I mean, look at the forecast and the modelling that was being done previously. In hindsight, none of it's been, been a, a reality. Uh, so I think this is going to be a short-run thing. So I would say um, to the industry is, hang on in there. Uh, you know, we've, we've come through the worst of it. I know it doesn't feel like it at the moment, but we are at the tail end of it, uh, and we have better days to come. And I just think stick with it, look after our people, look after the pubs, um, and what has absolutely clearly happened, whether it was July last year when the pubs were reopened again after the first lockdown or the second lockdown, or indeed the third lockdown this time, actually there is without doubt a demand and people have found, have refound their love for pubs. So I think pubs that do survive this, and I feel really bad, uh, and I really do for those that will not get through this, but I do think there will be better times to come. Uh, and I know that's it. It can't get much worse. Um, so I do think that just look after each other, hang on, work together, and I think we will come through this. Don't you think, though, Patrick, we have lost lots of pubs across the UK during this. People are drinking more at home. There's now lots more entertainment at home with 
loads of television channels, all kinds of sound systems and so on. Home entertainment is getting more and more sophisticated. I mean, we are looking to a future where there are just fewer pubs than there were. Are we in danger of losing the great British pub culture? No, I think, I think you're right. Unfortunately, there will be fewer pubs. Um, and, but if I go back to April the 12th um, this year, uh, when pubs were allowed to open only outside. That's right. Only outside. So we only so had... So that was a year into a, the pandemic. A year in. So yeah. we only had 60% of our pubs open where we've got outside space. I sat outside on the Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday night, outside the windmill at Clapham, outside the Hand in Hand on the Tuesday and outside the ship at Wandswood on the Wednesday. Oh, my God, it was so cold. It was freezing. I had hats, gloves, gloves. But I sat outside until closing time with hundreds of customers who were so demonstrated that they missed the pubs so much. So actually, I do think, yes, there will be fewer pubs. That's sad, um, but I think the pubs that survive through this will have much better times. I honestly feel that people have rediscovered how important the pub is in their life for their mental health. So, and, and for loneliness, you know, people who live in little villages who are retired or may well have lost a Pubs husband or their wife, it's the, it's the centre of everything in the community. And in, of course, just talking about communities, we as an industry employ one in six in every community throughout the land. So the pub, is, I think, has become more important. And that's why I think it's very sad that maybe 10,000 pubs will be lost through this pandemic. Wow, that's a big number, 10,000. 10,000 from start to finish, I think it's as much as 10,000. What sort of percentage of our previous pre-pandemic pub total would that be? Well, it's about 20%. If you, if you, you think, think we'll end up losing one in five pubs? Yeah, I do. I do. I, 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 unfortunately, I'd like to think that we're at the end of that. Unfortunately, we're not. You know, we've got more, uh, more um, damage and carnage to come, you know, because of this latest um, 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 plan B. Now, since Freedom Day in July um, to now, as we speak, the pubs are open and by all accounts, they've been doing pretty well. Young's has been doing pretty well. You're getting more cash in. People are rediscovering their love for the pub. Um, what do you actually think is going to happen over the Christmas period and into the new year? Well, if you take last week... So last week was a, was a defining moment, I suppose, because the Omicron was well-publicised, the scientists were doing what they usually do, and the government are overreacting like they usually do. Um, but actually, if you look at the week gone by, it wasn't too bad. Uh, yes, we've had cancellations going forward. Um, I think this week, uh, the city, because of the work from home in London, yet again will, will struggle. I think the pubs outside of the city will probably benefit because people working from home. I think a lot of people will still have their parties. I think when we get to the Christmas week, and particularly Christmas weekend and Christmas Day, families are still going to go out. If they've booked restaurants and pubs on Christmas Day and they're with their immediate family, that is still going to happen. Um, I I am very concerned about the two weeks prior to Christmas. Very busy weeks for you guys. Two busiest weeks of the year for the sector. Uh, And it's the two weeks that actually, believe it or not, uh, are are the things that actually allow businesses to survive. Those two weeks are so critical for parts of the sector. Not necessarily for us, but for individual owner-operators and part of the sector, it is significant. And if they lose 30 40% of that, they're probably losing their business. When you came over from Ireland, you worked in a pub. I know from working in pubs in the UK, full of Aussies, Kiwis, people from all over the place. 
They come here, young people, and 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 you know, a pub is a is a sort of employment lifeline for them, isn't isn't it? Yes, it How's is. employment been? Um, say before the pandemic, the pandemic's a sort of special case, but since we left the European Union, but before the pandemic, how do you think we're going to staff pubs going forward, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, it has been difficult. Obviously, it's been well publicised. But interestingly, I think everyone's talking about the, uh, the lack of ability to recruit. Um, and I think they actually there's a, there's a different issue here. And the issue was, how well did you retain and how well did you look after your staff during mm. lockdowns and the pandemic? Yeah. Um, so did you cut severely? Um, and when you reopened, were you open on a skeleton staff? When did you actually shut furlough? Did you keep hanging on to furlough? Mm. And I think um, certainly we didn't. As soon as the government uh, allowed us to open all of our pubs, we closed furlough off on both occasions as soon as we, our pubs were opened. Um, and we looked after our staff. We communi- I personally communicated to all of our staff every week by a video uh, through a, a, a private Facebook page. Um, we wrote, we communicated so well. We looked after them. We upped their, uh, their salary with regards furlough. So, as I said, we were burning £6 million a month uh, during these periods. Um, and I think when we opened up, we had too many staff because the businesses was not as, as strong mm. as pre-pandemic. Mm. But rather than let them go, we took the decision that, you know, we're going to need these people. When we mm. come out of this, the mm. better the staff, the better the mm. um, quality of service in a pub, you're going to do well out of it. So we decided we would carry uh, a large overhead count to ensure that it, things were going to get better. And that's what we did. So uh, were we... Uh, immune to any of the labour shortages? No, we weren't immune, but we didn't have any issues with pub closures. We didn't reduce our hours. We didn't shrink our menus. We were absolutely at 100% capacity. Uh, and we do we have staff vacancies now? Yeah, we do, but it's not sort of a, a material number. And I do think uh, was, that's improving anyway. Mm. Uh, now, whether some of the Europeans are coming back uh, are not, I don't know, because, of course, they were protected to a degree by furlough as well, rightly or wrongly, uh, but there would have been. You see much supply chain inflation, Patrick, is a big issue for a lot of people in business. Are you seeing the cost of your inputs go up? Um, not, not yet. Um, you, you, you referred earlier on to utilities. I mean, there are costs around the corner. Uh, and if you t- t- think about uh, supply issues, inflation, that's going to be an issue. It's not at the moment. We're just going through retendering all of our beer and all of our drink supplies, fortunately. Um, so we will agree those for two years. So we're not expecting that will help mitigate a lot of the cost. But of course, you've got utilities. Uh, we, we've bought forward till March, but from April onwards, we're going to yeah. have a huge hit on utilities. Insurance costs. And companies don't have the price cap that we, households well, enjoy. We don't. Right? No, we've got and pubs have big electricity bills uh, and getting bigger. Yeah. Uh, so we've also got uh, you know the national insurance increase, um, government to, for the social care and the NHS. Um, that's quite significant in April. National living wage, which we're a huge corporation tax of. going up in the following well, April. Well, the corporation tax going up from sort of 19% promise down to 70%, back up to 25% when we've come out of Brexit and we're meant to be a global country trying to up- get people. I mean, that's just to me is short term madness. 
Uh, how does that make us competitive in a global market? So they uh, are supported by America. They, they've all agreed a 15% minimum threshold for, for corporation tax. You know, Ireland has just gone, will go from 12% to 15%. At the same time as we're going from 19% up to 25%. It just doesn't make sense. So it does seem to me that government's solution to everything is business. Tax business more. They'll fund everything. National health, the social care bill, you know, uh, the, the, the corporation tax will fund more investment in whatever. Um, but businesses are absolutely uh, the government's answer to all of their um, problems, which can't be sustained. It cannot be sustained. You're obviously a close observer of politics. Anyone who does serious business needs to follow politics. Um, you've watched British politics for many years since you've lived here in the UK, Patrick. Does this strike you as a conservative government? Did the last budget strike you as a conservative budget? No, I, I, I was, what was interesting about the, uh, the budget, I mean, Rishi Sunak, uh, you know, and thanks very much for him for doing the VAT and the, the furlough scheme at the time, but there was huge bluster. There was huge bluster that this is a great budget. When actually you look at the detail and when the dust settled, I mean, it didn't do anything for business. In fact, it actually cost business money. Um, so, um, and the corporation tax, and uh, conservatives are low, low tax, you know, you know, the economy and the business drives the economy and the treasury, which of course it does. And yet you seem to be, we seem to have a government at the moment. I, mean, I, I, I prefer the language of Keir Starmer at the moment about supporting business, abolishing business rates, which is the biggest nonsense tax um, business. You, you're actually taxing businesses. You're encouraging them not to invest and not to create jobs. I mean, that's just madness. Do you think the Prime Minister's in danger of seriously falling out with the business community? Oh, I think there's no doubt. We all know that um, comment he made to business a couple of years ago. Uh, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, a greeting that is a four-letter word. A greeting that's a four-letter word. In fact, that is very soft in comparison to what he's doing to businesses at the moment. Patrick Darley, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very all much very indeed. Best. Thank you.